than, than what we find here in your word. No other foundation compares to it. Father, we pray that as we think about this, this one verse, as we think about these words, that you wrote through Peter so many years ago that, that your truth would, would grab a hold of our minds and our hearts and that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us and strengthen us, and that you would transform us. Father, we pray that you would help us to listen to what you have to say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm, I'm getting older now, and... Uh, <laughs> why is that funny? <laughs> So I, I should be learning to, to actually move a little slower and be careful, you know, where my feet are planted when I'm moving around, um, but I haven't quite learned that lesson yet, and I like to get from place to place as fast as I can, usually, even when I'm in my own house. So it's not uncommon for me to be in the same room with Kim, or maybe in the living room or something, and then I'll have to go get something from some other part of the house. I'll have to either, you know, run downstairs or run upstairs. When I say run, I'm not talking figuratively. I like to run. I, you know, I, I run up the stairs or I run down the stairs. Usually I'm skipping steps to get there. And uh, it's not uncommon for us to be in the same room and I'll leave, and then just moments later, Kim will hear a, a couple thuds, <laughs> a few bangs, and a kerplunk, you know? Like... And then followed by like, ah! And immediately she'll be like, are you okay? And, uh, and so far, I've been able to say, I'm all right. I'm okay. But of course, what I've done is as I'm, as I'm like running up the stairs, I'll be in my socks, you know, and, and I'll like skip steps and I'll just put like, just part of my foot will get on the edge of the stair and just slip right off. I don't know how many of you guys have ever done that. It sounds like everybody's done that. So I, it'll slip right off, and then I'll like tumble, you know, and I haven't broken anything yet. Very thankful for that. Um, I've, I've survived up until this point, but I probably need to start learning to make sure I put my full foot on a step before I put my full weight on the step, or else I'm probably going to be sorry at some point. I'm going to pay for it. Peter says something kind of to this dynamic a little bit in verse 13. He says... Um, in the second half of the verse, he says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter, Peter uses this word hope in his letter a lot. And of course, hope you know, looks towards the future. Um, we talked a little bit about that when he used it back in the, in the earlier part of chapter one. Uh, but I think the way that Peter uses the word hope is, is very much um, similar to, to the idea of trust and belief. Um, confidence in, in who God is, how he's re revealed himself to us, expectation of who God, who God is and what he has done. And, uh, and so that's when, when he's talking about hope, he's talking about our, our confidence in God, our trust in God, in all that he has revealed about himself, all that he's revealed about us, all that he's revealed about how, we, how, how he is faithful and we need to trust him. And so he says, you know, take your hope, take your confidence and your expectation and put it fully on him, on what he has revealed about who he is. Put it fully on him. If you, and, and the problem is, I think, often in life, we are rushing around, and we don't often think about where we're putting our confidence, and we're often just putting maybe a little bit of our confidence on the edge of who God is. And we're very, you know, it's very possible it, it, it can easily slide off in the midst of the trials that we are facing, especially 
Um, and a lot of us also are, are trying to put our, our, our confidence and our expectation fully on other things rather than God. And those things cannot hold us up. They cannot hold us up. Another stare analogy, if I'm sure some of you guys, I know recently, one of you, um, has been going downstairs. Have you ever gone downstairs and you, you're carrying something large and you feel like you're at the bottom but you're not? So you put your foot on that other step that you think is there but it's not? And then what happens? It just it goes out from under you. You're gone. Yes, Ian, I was referring to you. He broke something. Ian broke something not too long ago because of that exact scenario, right? Um, and I'm sure many of you guys, have, this has happened to you. That is what happens when we place our hope on anything other than who God is and what he's revealed about himself. And so Peter's saying, you know, put your hope, set your hope fully on what God has revealed to you, on who he is, on who he's revealed about himself to you. And then in this, in this verse, as he talks about setting our hope fully, he also has these other phrases that, that, that kind of describe how we should be setting our hope fully on him. And that's what I want to just focus on for a few minutes. Um, and, the, and the first phrase he talks about, he says, therefore, preparing your minds for action. Preparing your minds for action. This is one of the things that should characterize our hope, is, is that we should have minds that are prepared for action. And, and I want to call this starting block hope. Starting block hope. Have you ever seen in a race when people are getting ready to, you know, especially like in the Olympics or anything, any competitive situation, there's starting blocks for, um, for like a sprint or something like that. And the sprinters will get down with their feet in the starting blocks. They'll put their hands right up against the, against the line, the starting line. And, uh, and the, the, the race you know, starter will say ready or set or whatever. And they'll, and they'll get up and, and every muscle is taught and they're prepared to explode. They're prepared to respond to the, the very first sound of that starter's gun, right? They are ready to go. They are ready to respond. They're, they're focused totally on, on the starter's gun to listen for that and to respond to it, right? Well, it's interesting that the, they don't, um, the, the actual translation of this phrase, when, he, when it, it translates preparing your minds for action, if you have a Bible, it probably has a footnote. And the, and the actual translation is girding up the loins of your mind. Girding up the loins of your mind. And you probably most of you have no idea what that means. That's why they say preparing your minds for action. But basically, to gird up your loins, we don't do this you know, in our culture, day and age. Back in those days, they had long flowing garments. right? And so if you wanted to, do, if you wanted to get ready to do some work, if you wanted to run, if you wanted to fight a battle, what you would have to do is you would have to take your garments and let me see, you'd, you'd tuck them between your legs and then pull them up from behind you and then tie them in front or you'd tuck them into your belt. And so you'd transform your long flowing garment into a pair of gym shorts right there just on the spot. And, and so girding up your loins was, was a way of saying, you know, you're getting ready to do something. You're, get, you're getting ready for action. You're getting ready to respond to whatever you need to do right now, all right? So that's what it means to gird up your loins. And that's what he's saying. When you're preparing your minds for action, he says, this is the kind of hope that we need to have. A hope that is tuned in to what God is, wants to say to us, how God wants to lead us, and to be ready to respond, to be ready to do something, to be ready to act however he wants us to, to be ready to, to respond and say what he wants us to say, to be ready to respond and serve the way he wants us to serve, to be totally tuned in to him, and to be ready 
for action. Because a hope that is set fully on God is not a hope that is just sitting around. It's a hope that is ready to act and to do and to obey and to respond to what God wants from us. All right? And so as we hope in God, our hope should be characterized by a readiness to do whatever God calls us to do. We need to be constantly straining to listen to what God wants from us, straining to listen to his word, because that's where we figure out, you know, this is what he wants you to do, to have our minds shaped by what he says in his word, and then to live our lives aware that his spirit is present always, listening for how, how the spirit wants to prompt us to, to, you know, say this, to interact in this way, you know, to think about how, how God wants me to build my spouse up or to build my parents up or my kids. As, as you're walking into your high school, to think about, to be, to be ready, say, God, I'm ready to respond to how you want me to serve you. You know, you're going to put people in my path and you want me to love them a certain way. You want me to, to maybe encourage them and to build them up, to love them, maybe to protect them, to be straining in the starting blocks, ready, just ready, to pounce on every opportunity that God gives us to serve him. So that's one aspect. That's, that's one thing that should characterize our hope is that we are ready. We are ready for action and we are, we are tuned in, listening for how God wants us, you know, how God wants us to, to pursue his work in our marriage, in our works, in our family, in every aspect of our lives. And Peter next tells us to have a sober-minded hope he then says, being sober-minded, right? Being sober-minded. Well, what's the opposite of being sober? Drunk. Being drunk, right? Being intoxicated. And what, what characterizes people that are drunk? Well, they, for one thing, they don't have as much self-control as they normally would have, right? They do things that they wouldn't normally do. They do things that they shouldn't normally do. Now, I could tell you some crazy stories about friends of mine in college that I'd have to pick up at the police station occasionally. You know, you do things you wouldn't do, you do things you shouldn't do. You don't, when, when you're drunk, you don't have this filter where you're critically analyzing things, you know? Figuring out what really is important, how you should be applying what is true and what is important to how you're living, right? And so when he says being sober-minded, I think he, like a lot of us, we live our lives, even though we're not physically drunk, we live our lives as, as, as spiritually drunk, intoxicated, not thinking really about how God's truth applies to everything, uh, to, to the way that we use our time, to the way that we respond to people when they make us angry, when they hurt us, to the way that we're doing our work. And so we, we don't, we're not thinking critically about how God's truth applies to everything. And so I think that's one aspect of what it means to be sober-minded. Instead of living life without thinking, we need to be thinking constantly about what God has told us that is true and, and how that applies to, to, to how I am living my life day to day. The things that I'm pursuing, the things that I'm making a priority, the things maybe that I'm, that I'm cutting out of my life to be thinking clearly and critically about these things. But another thing about drunkenness is, is that it often, drunkenness is often a means for people to escape, isn't it? Isn't it often a, a way that people escape their pain and the things that they struggle with? 
people often use things like alcohol or drugs or all sorts of other things to escape reality when reality isn't going the way that they want it to, when, when, it's, when, it's, when it's painful. And I think another aspect of being sober-minded, Paul's, I mean, Peter is reminding us that as people who have our hope fully in God, we don't have to run from reality. We don't have to escape from what is painful. You know, there's all sorts, so many of us, I've mentioned as, as we go through this book, one of the themes of this book is, is dealing with trials, dealing with suffering. And, and in a lot of ways, the world just wants to escape. When, when you lose someone you love, you want to escape using different means. We, we self-medicate, right, to make ourselves feel better. When something is, is going horribly wrong at work or is, is incredibly stressful, when, our, when, when our, our marriage is, is strained, many of us want to just run and escape. But Peter says we need to be sober-minded. We can face those things that are hard. We can, we can deal with what is real, even though it's painful, because we have a hope that is just as real and is greater. We have a hope in a God who is faithful, and will care for us in the midst of it all, and will be with us in the midst of it all. We do not have to run. We do not have to escape. We can be sober-minded about life, about the brokenness of life, about the struggles of life. And lastly, our hope that, that, that we must fully set on God is to be a self-abandoning hope. It must be a hope that looks away from me completely and looks instead to God. It abandons it's a hope that abandons what I can do, it abandons what I'm able to do, any confidence in myself or what I've done, and, and it's a hope that must put its confidence completely on someone else, and completely on God and on Jesus and what he has revealed to us about himself, on, what, on the grace that he will bring to us. That's what it says, right? It says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you. And this is hard for me. This is hard for me. It's hard for me um, to be in a situation, I, I like to do, I'm a doer. You know, I like to do stuff. I like to, I like to pull my weight. And so there are occasions, maybe on my birthday or something, Kim will make me sit down, and she was like, one of me or one of the kids is going to bring you, you know, your dinner or whatever. You have to sit there. You just have to receive it. You have to wait for it to be brought to you. And everything in my, like, I'm just straining, just like, no, nah, I've got to, like, help. I've got to, you know... I don't want anybody to be waiting on me, you know, and, and so like a little bead of sweat will be coming down my <laughs> side of my face. I'm just like waiting for somebody to bring me something. It's, it's you know, I, I, it's hard for me to do, to just do nothing, abandon what I can do and what I can contribute and just trust in somebody else and what they're going to bring me. And, and that, that's just a, just a picture of my entire life. I'm constantly wanting to prove myself to God. I'm constantly wanting to, to pull my weight to, to kind of prove that, that I am worthy of being loved. I'm, I'm worthy of God's showing his grace to me, but I need to just trust that he's going to bring it to me, that, that I can't do enough, and all I can do is, is receive what he brings. Receive the grace that he will deliver to me. 
Um, I think in the last, I don't know how long it's been, but in, in recent years especially, there's just been this complete preoccupation with, with having things delivered to your front door, you know? Um, back when I was a kid, I remember just on rare occasions you would get a package sitting on your doorstep. Now, like every single day, there's a package on your doorstep, you know? We're just so accustomed to having things delivered to us. And not just things we order online, but, but you know, meals, you know? Of course, we've been ordering pizza for, for years, but, but just, just last night I was looking at this commercial for, you know that Pizza Hut has these shoes now that you can just press a button on a shoe and your pizza now will show up at your doorstep? That's true. They only made like 50 pairs. They're probably all sold out already. But you just have to press the button on the shoe and your pizza appears. I'm totally serious. I verified it. I looked it up. I couldn't find any pairs for sale. <laughs> but they're like a pair of like high tops, you know, with a button on the... Uh, on the, on, the, on the tongue. We're, we're, you know, we're so preoccupied with having things delivered to us. But when it comes to our relationship with God, we often insist on thinking that it's, it's, it's more like takeout or more like dine-in. We have to go to him in order to get more from him. We have to go to him in order to get his acceptance and his love. And he says, no. If you want a relationship with me, the only way that you can have a relationship with me is for me to deliver it to you. That is the only way. And, it, and it, it seems too easy, but that is what the gospel message is. That in 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the ultimate delivery man, came into our world, came from heaven to earth to do everything, to pay the price for us to be forgiven as he died on the cross to pay for our sin, as he lived a life of obedience. He did everything, perfectly obeying his father. It's because of his perfect obedience and his death on the cross that, that we can have hope of, of real life, of forgiveness, of a relationship with God, of, of being able to have a hope that is set fully on him. And, and our job is to say, is, is just sit there and say, yes, thank you. Thank you. And this is what it's about, is, is setting our hope fully on, on God, is to, is to have a hope that is, that is prepared to respond to anything that, that God calls us to do. It's a hope that is sober-minded, that is thinking critically about our lives and how God's truth reflects in, in the way that we, we speak and think and live. And, and more than anything, it, it, it has to begin with realizing it's, it's what he does to give us, to, to bring to us. It's about his grace being brought to us. And, and it's also the way that we need to live our daily lives. We, uh, a while ago, um, a pastor named John Piper, uh, some of you guys might know who he is, he wrote a book called Future Grace. And he talks about in that book that, that all of life, as we deal with our own sin even, the way that we deal with our own sin, the way that we deal with our, our, our struggles and our anxieties, the only way that we can deal with them is by looking towards what God's going to provide me in every moment of every day and knowing that what God provides is going to satisfy me more than anything else. That his grace, which is going to give to me, I need to count on it being there every moment I look for it. I need to count on it being there. 
And that is how you live a life that, that is able to respond to him. It's kind of like uh, in football, for those of you guys who follow football, sometimes there are these patterns when, uh, when a guy will, will run into the corner of the end zone and the, the receiver will run out there, he won't even look back. Usually the receiver's running out and looking at the quarterback to see if the quarterback's going to throw the ball. But there's these, one, these some plays that the, 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 the receiver will run straight to the corner of the end zone and the quarterback will just throw it right to the end zone and right to the corner where the receiver is expected to be, and the receiver will just count on the ball being there when he gets there, right? He's not even looking to see if it's going to be there until the last possible second, and, and just planning on it being there, meeting him where he is. And that's how God calls us to live the Christian life, to set our hope on him, to set our hope on the grace that's going to be brought to us. Knowing that every step of our lives, especially as we deal with trials, and struggles, and suffering. We need to be counting on the fact that God's grace is going to be there. It's going to meet us there every single time we look for it. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would help us to be people who are characterized by the fact that we are always looking for how your grace is going to meet us, how your power is going to meet us, how your presence is going to meet us in our daily lives. We pray that that would um, impact the way that we, uh, we are just constantly at the ready to do what you call us to do. That, that that would also inform the way that we think about our lives and our priorities and the things that we're pursuing and the way that we're acting and the things that we say. We thank you for your grace that is sufficient for us not only is it sufficient, but, but you bring it to us. We pray that you would help us to count on that grace as we live our lives today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.